0: KZSU Stanford University's FM radio station broadcasting across the Bay Area On 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org.
1: From the campus of Stanford University, this is the Modern Architect Radio Show and Podcast, featuring one-on-one interviews with renowned and cutting-edge architects, influencers, and sustainability leaders. The show and podcast will inform, educate, and illuminate the transformation, joy, and inspiration that architecture brings to our cities, Communities and lives. Hosted by Architecture Aficionado and Principal of Accurate Architectural, this is Tom Diora. Thank you, Shay.
0: For our guest today, please welcome Wolfgang Wagner, architect and principal of Woa West. Woa West, WOWA West's unique approach helps transform real estate investments into valuable long-term performance assets. Serving the client side of the architectural design and real estate management process. Independent of the supply team, the advisors create proprietary strategy to help clients define, design, develop, and deliver the highest real estate value possible. You can find them on the web at woawest.com. That's woawest.com. Hello, Wolfgang. We're honored and happy to have you on The Modern Architect
2: today. Yeah, thank you very much, Tom. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Thank you, Wolfgang. Um, share with us a, us a bit about the, what, what you and I were talking about in the uh, green room, about uh, kind of playing a, a, a story, so to speak, about how you help clients and how you help people come to realization of their design.
2: Yeah, I thought, uh, Tom, we start with a little architectural improv. And, Love it. Uh, uh, what I thought, imagine... You will be tasked to build a spaceship. A spaceship. Yeah. So you are in charge of building the spaceship. And so we have to define what the spaceship is about. So let me, if you're okay with this, let me just ask you some question how you would go about it. So first of all, if you have a spaceship, think about the space is big. Where are you actually going to go? Okay. Are you going to go to a planet? Are you flying around the Earth? What would be your goal?
0: Let's go. Let's let's fly around the Earth, enjoy the Earth, and uh, let's go to let's go to Mars. Since I think most people can That's identify
2: okay. with uh, potentially going to Mars. Okay. Fly around the Earth and then finally arrive at Mars. Okay. Correct. Next, next question would be: Okay, how many people do you think you're going to take with you in the spaceship? Let's let's go with.
0: Uh, uh, 18 people
2: 18 people okay yeah. that's a great number 18 people now let's think about these are these uh, 18 people are they all traveling at the same time is this uh, are they traveling together or is this uh, do they come um, is it supposed to be traveling again, again over and over again or is this a one one way trip no this will be a t- uh, round trip round trip yes. so it's more like a like a shuttle yeah so going a backwards shuttle, and forwards a okay is. so 18 people Let's think about the mission of these eighteen people. Okay, what would they do? Are they tourists? Are they scientists? What 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 is their job?
0: Let's do. Let's say a, 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 uh, some tourists,
2: scientists,
0: uh, agriculturalists.
2: Uh... Okay, you're really having a broad broad audience. Very sure. optimistic about your flight. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so you have a, a great group of people. Um, do you think when they arrive at Mars that they're supposed to get out and walk around? So do they have to bring equipment or yes, anything yes. like this? They'll
0: bring equipment uh, yeah. to, to keep them from the uh, harsh elements of Mars. Okay.
2: So we have to kind of allow for some space. Space, space suits. Space, uh, space suits and some space yes. in the spaceship to get stuff onto Mars and then they want to come back. Yes. Okay. And go back. Perhaps
0: even go back again.
2: And go back again. So it's really like like a shuttle service going backwards and forwards. Now, do you have any time frame in mind when you have to be arriving on Mars? I don't
0: know how long it would take to get from here to Mars yet. Um, So uh, let's say within uh, within our lifetime. Let's say.
2: Okay, uh, within our lifetime. Okay, (laughs) there's a travel time. I think is there any other need, let's say, like uh, when… The Americans flew to the moon. They say Candy said, "By the end of this decade, we want to be have a man on the moon." there any goal like this, we say we need to be on Mars by a certain purpose by a certain date. Yes, let's 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 do uh, within two years. Within two years, okay, yeah. very ambitious or like this. And what about what about the budget? I mean, how much money can you actually spend? How much can we? Spent to to get you to Mars.
0: Okay, let's let's uh, use an example. I'm not sure what the latest space project costs. uh, Or cost how? um, Let's say limited to within five ten billion dollars.
2: Five to ten billion dollars. So great. So I hope you already raised the funds for this. Okay. So Tom, what we just did is basically we did take a look at the vision and the mission of what it would take to build a spaceship to fly to Mars. Uh, we did take a look at the purpose. We looked at what we call an architecture, the brief and the program, like the space program, the program of what you, as the let's say owner client of a spaceship, uh, would like to accomplish. Yeah. Now, and imagine. I mean, if we, if if we now the next step, would would you say, look. Uh, we give this program, this idea, what we just put together. We have now a bunch of engineers, uh, designers, uh, specialists working on this. And we would go ahead and we would test, uh, test and test and test the spaceship uh, again and again. So that it's going to be really perfect. So when we're going to fly to Mars, it's going to be uh, a flight that people come home safely. Excellent. Uh, again. But think about this. The effort which goes into taking idea of the spaceship and make it real how many prototypes you do, how many test flights you do, how many mock-up you build, and all the effort it takes to, to get it done. Now, yeah. imagine now buildings and architecture. Okay. You, you're basically having a building which is grounded on the earth. You ha- You are tied to a very unique place. You probably have some neighbors to deal with. You have more than 18 people. You probably have hundreds and thousands of people which are using your building. Uh, and your building has to perform not just to a flight to Mars, but it has to perform probably 50, 75, 100, or even a longer period of time. Wow. So think about it. Compared to the spaceship, the task at hand is way more complicated. But here's the catch. You only have one chance to get it built. Great analogy. Yeah. So I think uh, I hope you got got sense I did, yes. about I mean just the complexity and the importance of architecture and what it takes uh, to um, to get uh, buildings uh, designed, built, and making it work over a long period of time for people yeah. and um, for the intended use. Yes. Now,
0: yeah. is, is it is it more challenging now than it was you know several years ago to do this, or is it even more uh, Um, do you have a system in place that can kind of facilitate making it much uh, simpler or easier?
2: So I think the the, the importance here really is that to be able, if you just have one shot to build a building, you can't just test it again and again, uh, it's really, really important that the front-end piece of the design process, the work with the client, to really spend sufficient time on getting the vision right, getting the program right, getting right what you would like to achieve and to accomplish, to really uh, guide the, um, the program for the client mm-hmm. And then being able to take this guidance and see it through, kind of be the steward of the client vision throughout the design and construction process. I think that's a real fundamental and very important task to make building successful because you have to work on the front end. You can influence the outcome of construction by spending as much time and effort on the front end to get it right when it's getting built.
0: Yeah, how do you put yourself and your clients' um position as much as possible uh, you know you you know what it may take idea uh, at least initially but uh, how do you put yourself in their position to kind of see things through the way they see it
2: so basically i mean you would you would start similar to what we just did i mean obviously it would take more time you would would uh, start with uh with uh interviews you would meet the client you would really have conversations about uh to to um Uh, Yeah, put the client team together. I mean, sometimes you have ideas and you don't really know how to go about it, yeah? Uh, You say, I would like to build something, but what is it, yeah? How do you orchestrate the process of uh, getting a designer, uh, an engineer on board? How do you articulate a vision um, that that, uh, really captures the essence of what you would like uh, to accomplish? What are your business needs? Yeah, be clear about what's the purpose of what you're building. So it's this whole uh, uh, orchestration of the stakeholders on the client side that that you have to, uh, I mean, sometimes it's quick. Sometimes you have enlightened clients, which know very clearly what they know. Uh, In many cases, it takes a little longer. And that's really where we would come in and work with you to set up. The vision and the project at the front end to um, be successful.
0: Yeah, orchestrate the process. I like that. So, how do you orchestrate that? Do you have a, a process that you go through for yourself and the clients, or each one individual's?
2: I mean, each, I mean, again, we, we we don't. Unfortunately, we don't build spaceships. We have no. one one product uh, which you, like which you create. Yeah. We're we building uh, buildings in in a unique condition, and what is Different in architecture is that every single project is different. Mm -hmm. So even in a day and age where um, ideas, the way we work, the economy is getting more and more global. And uh, people can work at many places, have ideas which are uh, are coming together from different places uh, of, of this world. Ultimately, architecture and real estate is local. So okay. each project is a unique project, and depending on uh, what you're building, for whom you're building, what you're, whatever budget, time, frame, ambition is, uh, each project is, is, is very different.
0: Yeah. Real yeah. estate is local. Lo- excuse, local. I was thinking global. It's global, but yet it's local.
2: So uh, what's interesting, real estate is local. I think okay. even, <clears throat> even though you, you see that um, obviously the economy is getting more and more global, which means uh, ideas can be global, um, money investments can be global. So take a look at Silicon Valley, for instance, where we are here uh, today. Uh, money can come from any part of of the world. You can have investors investing into the Bay Area from whatever China, from Europe, from South America, from the Middle East. Yeah. So that's obviously very global. Uh, design services, engineering services, you can source more globally. You can work with. Uh, partners from California or from the Midwest, the East Coast, or from, uh, yeah, like I've done coming from Europe. Uh, and also the manufacturing itself of products, depending if you look for something really special, something of high quality, you may not be able to find it here locally. And then again, you have to go to whatever, Germany, or China, other places to source uh, your materials and systems um, uh, from different places. All of this is happening. Yet to bring it together, and I think even in this global world in which we are living, buildings and real estate are ultimately local. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: great description of it. Yeah. That being said, do you describe this to your clients as well? You know what you're sharing with our audience. Um,
2: uh, yes, I mean that's okay. that's that, that, that comes down to the. Um, so the very first initial d- dialogue when you start forming uh, the, the client team, when you start forming the the ideas, and again, it depends. It's not just the place which is different. Obviously, mm-hmm. the purpose, the business need, whether you are, let's say, a large corporation, whether you're a commercial developer, uh, whether you do healthcare or stadium, whether you do um, um, university campus. I mm-hmm. mean, obviously, they all have very different. Um, um, needs yet. I think the process to go through, to really gel this, the the, the, the vision, the, the brief, the program, and the process to get the project started on the right um, uh, uh, foot. Yeah. I think this is a very um, applicable across the board.
0: Yeah. Now, when you say each project is unique, that being said, do you, do you also learn from each project? Um, that applies to the current projects?
2: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I think there is, uh, uh, every project you do uh, is, uh, I mean, you have to learn from this because, I mean, coming back to we only get one chance to build a building. So we have to, uh, it's really important to understand what happens with a building after it has been built. So what happens when the building is used by the people it was uh, intended to? Is it actually I mean, we do the best that we can to understand Mm -hmm. user needs, the user experience, and really get it right. Uh, But are users really um, using it the way uh, it was intended to? Obviously, you have to adjust this and to learn from this. um, That's very important. Other uh, example is the performance of the building. So, particularly today, I mean, I know you are very passionate about sustainability and creating high-performance buildings. Uh, we can come up with ideas, specifications, and designs, and selecting great materials. Do we know in the end, though, that the building is actually performing as we planned it? Because sure. ultimately, the performance is dependent on, uh, again, real changing condition, the the the, the 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 context in which it's built, the the different climates. Uh, earthquakes yeah uh, i mean basically you design with nature and nature we we can't control nature ultimately so we really have to learn whether we what we planned and intended is really happening uh through the use uh life cycle of, of a building so yeah. and and that that that's an ongoing process so you're not just here at the front end of a project you guide the client ch- throughout the design and construction process and you are really the Let's see. we look at as being the stewards of the client vision throughout the process. And then under use, you come back in and see, is what we intended to do as a client, is this actually happening the way it was planned? And we have them to adjust uh, and learn for the next building or uh, the the, the building itself.
0: You're listening to The Modern Architect, KZSU Stanford, 90.1
1: FM. Loaves and Fishes Family Kitchen fights hunger in our local communities by providing food security to those who need it most. It serves more than 400,000 meals annually to men, women, and children from its San Jose location. You can help anytime in a number of ways, by working in the kitchens, preparing, serving, and cleaning up after meals, by contributing food or non-food items, or by making a cash donation. For more information, visit loavesfishes.org or call 408 998 1500. That's 408 998 1500. And now back to the modern architect.
0: We're talking today with Wolfgang Wagner, architect and principal of WOWA West. That's W O W A West. You can find more information on their website at woawest.com that's w-o-w-a-west.com who who inspires you to to kind of think with that mindset i mean obviously you have it but was there someone that you work with there uh, was just a dis- an attitude or a, a mindset that you decided to adopt to make uh, make the whole process more effective
2: yeah so i was very uh fortunate, uh, privilege and honor to work uh, on a number of um, great projects uh, early on in my career. And to give you one example is uh, it's the uh, Potsdamer Platz in Berlin. This was one of my early projects. It was a very young architect uh, working with uh, Richard Rogers uh, and the Long Piano for the master plan for uh, Potsdamer Platz in Berlin and uh, think about this. It was a very iconic uh, project I was involved in early on in my career. Uh, it was um, uh, the Potsdamer Platz is in the heart of Berlin. It, it has been the social heart. It has been the commo- commercial heart and uh, obviously um, the, um, it was completely erased, uh, during World War Two, and the wall was just built right on top of the Potsdamer Platz. So this, oh, this, this, what was really wow. the center of the city was completely erased, separated by this wall. And this, this, this was just not the wall. If you have a wall, you have all these zones around it. So it was completely dead. Uh, and then when the Cold War ended in, in, in late 18, uh, 1989, we, um, the wall fell, and there was this tremendous piece of real estate in the city center. And the question was, what to do with this? And I was fortunate to uh, come in early with uh, yeah, Richard Rogers and Renzo Piano start working on a master plan of this vacant piece of land. But what was really important for me to realize is that you can come as an architect with a vision, and you're very talented, and you're a great designer, yet you have to work with many, many stakeholders. One was obviously the client itself, because who had an interest in developing this piece of land? Who was the client? And this was very interesting. It was actually somebody you would not expect. It was a car manufacturer. Think about this. A car manufacturer? And an electronic manufacturer. It was basically Daimler-Benz. Okay. And the CEO of Daimler-Benz, Edsard Reuter, he himself felt it was such an important piece of land, uh, iconic, great location, the whole history of Berlin, and really to uh, rebuild the center of Berlin that they wanted to be part of this. They bought the land in conjunction with Sony, which was obviously a Japanese electronic company, and they also wanted to be as, as a, a Japanese company wanted to be in Berlin and Europe. And you had this very, very strong interest from the very beginning from uh, private clients which had a vision to rebuild the city center of Berlin and then really to work with them to figure out what users can go there. How do you build a city? There is shopping, there is offices, there are uh, this residential, uh, there's a hotel, there's a movie theater. So, what does it take to create a vibrant, vibrant city? And all of this was done in conjunction with the client. Uh, Daimler-Benz also decided to move some of their offices there. So, we worked with the users, and uh, so very early on in my career, I, I was exposed in uh, a very iconic project uh, to work very closely with the client uh, and shape the design strategy in collaboration with the client and, and their. Both business needs uh, as well as just user needs of of uh, what is supposed to happen. Yeah, that's uh, terrific. Yeah. How did
0: they approach you with this, or was it a, uh, uh, did they, how did how did they reach well, out to say, you know what, I think Wolfgang, we'd like you to be a part of this?
2: Well, I was lucky that I yeah. worked with with one of my hero architects, Richard Rogers. Okay. Uh, uh, I was a young architect at his office, and. Um, being the he was based is English uh, and uh, based in in London and being the German speaking architect in, yeah. in in the office obviously, I was very closely involved with everything happening uh, in Berlin and uh, Germany. So I was at uh, the right yeah. time at the right place to uh, do something very exciting and yeah. uh, it came through the architecture from Richard Rogers and Renzo Re- Piano was selected as the master plan architect. You may know Richard Renzo had an office together, so they know each other very well. Uh, so we had this great collaboration, not just as a single architect, but mm-hmm. we had a collaboration amongst many architects. It was also Arato Isozaki, uh, Rafael Moneo, uh, some German, uh, uh, really great German architects. And to to be at this place at this time and to really work with this great architects, these wonderful clients, and the city of Berlin, which is a public sector stakeholder, had this tremendous Uh, interest uh, and vision for what they believed how the city should look. To get this all together, to to listen well to every opinion, every idea, and bring it all together in one coherent plan, uh, one coherent design, I think that's what an architect Brings to the table—that's what made Renzo Piano and Richard Rogers successful—and I was lucky to be part of this.
0: That's great. What was what was the feeling like? Not just architecturally, but just the the energy in uh, in Berlin at that time.
2: Just—I mean—you can imagine after um, uh, the end of the Cold War, it was exuberant. Exuberant. It was just one of the most exciting times, probably. in, in, in Berlin, I mean, everybody wanted to be there. It was at this, when we built it, it was the largest construction site in Berlin in terms of vol- construction volumes. You had, I mean, investments pouring in from all over the world because every wanted to, everybody wanted to be there. And you, you met everybody. I mean, it was just a very, very exciting time. By the way, it reminds me a little bit of where Silicon Valley is today. Okay. So you always have markets where which are hot. And that time, uh, Europe, Berlin, uh, Germany was hot. And today, we have a, a sense of similar exuberance yeah. and excitement uh, for for development, for design, and for building here in Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah. So it's, it seems like you kind of uh, you either seek that kind of uh, uh, vibe. Or it kind of comes
2: to you, or is a little bit. Above. I've been very fortunate to be the lucky guy at yeah. the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah.
0: that that being said, do you see other parts of the nation with that sort of potential exuberance? Not just Silicon Valley, but is there something with your just your just your personality, your own DNA that you see as, hey, you know, I get I get this sense that uh, you experienced there in Berlin and Silicon Valley, that this area can rise up?
2: Yeah. I mean, you have obviously other parts around the world where there's a lot happening. I mean, China, um, the Middle East, uh, to give some examples. I mean, some emerging uh, markets like in South America, um, Brazil, uh, in these places. However, I think what is unique about Silicon Valley is that you have um, a different kind of client here and what I mean with this is you have if, if you look what what the Silicon Valley about the, the companies that we have here they are companies that actually create stuff okay yeah so whether yeah. you build buildings <laughs> stuff uh, whether you're building I see the telephones here or the iPhones or whether it is a new car with uh, uh, Tesla, whether it's um, uh, new photovoltaic elements, whether it's auto tech or biotech—I mean, you can name any any type of industry that we have—but you have uh, leaders that 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 are used to create physical things. Okay. Uh, if you think about it, uh, architecture is also about physical things. So, what is very unique about uh, working here with clients is that you have a great understanding of. How design works, how engineering works, and quite frankly, pair this now with this uh, spirit of we are here to build the best, we change the world, we can, we want to fly to Mars, okay, let's go get to work, engineer it. So we have this attitude of we, we can make it happen. Uh, so I think this is something very, very unique. Here to uh, to Silicon Valley, or let's say to California in general, okay. to the American West. I mean, compared to let's say, if you would work for Wall Street, you have very um, significant clients. It's just a different mentality. If you are a person which is used to work with abstract things like money, mm-hmm. yeah, which is just can flow, is just I mean, is ephemeral, versus uh, business leaders and companies that really create and make things and stuff. Yeah, so, so that's very, very unique and exciting. Yeah.
0: what, what, what do you see? Anything growing up that uh, made you want to be a part of something like this, even if, even if you weren't in the middle of it, or maybe you grew up with with that sort of exuberance. What, what do you think sparked you to uh, be so drawn to that type of uh, environment and that type of? Uh, city, those type of cities, those type of communities, those kind yeah. of people. Yeah. What, what?
2: What? Well, I grew. I mean, you can hear this. I mean, I'm from Germany. I am um, born there, raised there, grew up there, was educated uh, in, in Germany. And when you were growing up in Germany uh, at that point in time and getting educated, the you always um, were looking to America as, let's say, like the bigger brother okay uh, and uh, you were in particular um, to California because you, you you got a sense of optimism you got a sense of the future is happening now you had this American way of life wh- which was really very very inspiring if you look back to to when I was educated uh, the architects that really um, I responded to where all architects – I mean, you looked up to – which at some point in their career um, went to the United States either to study or to uh, uh, practice, uh, uh, get their start in their career, and then they came back to Europe uh, and they brought a different – you could feel it – they brought an optimism back to uh, where we were living and working uh, which is, was very, very exciting. So that, that's what I very early on um, responded to. And I've been able to have this, let's say, transatlantic cross-pollination between Europe and California and the American West. This has been one of the big inspirations of my professional and personal life now for uh, the 25 years that I uh, started out as an architect. Great. Now, how, how did you uh, come up with the name Wawa well, West? Well, I mean, WOA yeah. is obviously my name, yeah. Wolfgang Wagner. And I, I learned uh, it's a very strong guttural name, which really resonates. Guttural name. Uh, like yeah, a... it's Wolfgang Wagner. <laughs> resonated very well in, in here in, in, in the States. So WOA is, 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 is really a nice um, acronym. I wanted to have a name for a company which transcends me as an individual because it's not just me. It's really a group of people. So as we grow... Uh, that that uh, it, is, it is a company and not, not just the individual person. Uh, and then the West is basically the whole experience. is a place where I live right now, where I work right now, but also the West capturing all the spirit we just talked about of the future, the optimism, and uh, being innovative. And I wanted to capture this uh, as part of our company name and concept, and uh, this is something we pursue Uh, with World West.
0: Terrific. This is The Modern Architect on KZSU, Stanford 90.1
1: FM. Founded in 1996, Eastside College Preparatory offers unique educational opportunities to historically underserved students in East Palo Alto and surrounding communities. The results have been dramatic. The high school dropout rate in the local area has been estimated to be more than 60% but at Eastside College Prep, 100% of its graduates go to four-year colleges and universities. If you'd like to volunteer at the school or help out financially, you can learn more by visiting www.eastside.org. Thank you, and now back to The Modern Architect.
0: Our guest today is Wolfgang Wagner, architect and principal of Wowa West. Check him out online at com. that's wowa dot com. Wolfgang, with a constantly evolving architecture, the expectations for emerging professionals evolve as well. What's changed over, say, the last five, I've got here 10 years, but I mean, even the last 20 years?
2: Yeah, let's pick the last 25 years, because okay. that's when I started out uh, as a young uh, the, the young architect, and the world today is very different than, than when I started. And if you look around, we're living actually in a very exciting time, and the demands on architecture I believe have never been as big as they are today. Uh, so you're not just a designer, you have to take a look at sustainability, yeah, is your building energy efficient, are you using the right materials, how are you um, impacting climate change. Uh, You have digital technology which is obviously uh, changing everything we do whether it is uh, here the building information modeling and uh, using technology for the design process. But also embedding technology into the building to make them smarter. You have sensors which can now measure temperature, or they can measure the occupancy. Or give you one example: Qualcomm, uh, a company in San Diego, they just took the campus and they basically put sen- the produce sensors. So they put sensors everywhere in their campus in the building, so they can get no real-time data uh, to their facility team and the facility operations to help them. Um, operate and use their buildings more um, effectively. So how do you do this? Uh, You have design-build. You have uh, different business needs in terms of the clients are saying, look, we have to build faster. You have to build uh, cheaper. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You have design teams which are uh, cross Continents. Uh, yeah, you have. Uh, they work together. Whether you, I mean, I worked a lot now with companies, design firms in Europe, here in the United States, but you can also have them in Asia. So, design teams become more uh, uh, cross, cross, um, yeah, cross continents. And if you take this all together, we, we, it's such an explosion of innovation of uh, demands that has been put on our profession. That it's getting more and more intricate, it's getting more complex, and uh, it's getting also more specialized. So you have, when I started, you had a client, you had an architect, and you had a builder. Okay. And even there, are pockets in the world where there still works, take like Switzerland, for instance. We would go to Switzerland. You want to see how the old school architecture worked? You still c- could see this. It's a very straightforward process, very clearly defined roles. Now. Look at where we are today. You have design architects, you have production architects, you have technical architects, you have executive architects, you have um, architects specialized in interiors, and urban design, and I mean it's getting it's getting such a yeah intricate, complex world uh, that uh, that it is getting more and more difficult to um, kind of c- connect the dots and keep design ideas together so you can still have this coherent solution because ultimately design is about taking ideas giving it physical form by incorporating all these forces that that are working around you so i mean to your question what has changed i think the industry is way more intricate complex specialized and and to a degree yeah, fragmented yeah okay. there's a tremendous opportunity. Let's say if you love let's say you love digital visualizations, you could specialize in doing great marketing material, do great three-dimensional models and virtual reality and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so there are many many ways of, of following your passion uh, and interest. yet what is, is a bit lost is this idea of what architecture is about to hold it all together uh, and bring it all together. Uh, and also there is a risk, obviously, of a lot of waste. I mean, if you have so many different specialists um, running all, all around all over the place, again, who is holding up the interest of the client? Who is holding up the – who is a steward of the project vision? Who is making sure that the, the, what initially uh, was intended to be built uh, is, is actually designed and built uh, in, in a way that that it, it meets ultimately the ideas. Again, coming back to our spaceship, uh, that the spaceship you intended to fly to Mars is actually what you're going to get in the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How do you how do you deal with the fragmentation of of that all those dynamics, all flowing in on one project? Is there one central person, or do you operate collaboratively with a
2: a collective group of leaders? Well, it has to be, obviously, it has to be collaborative. Uh, I mean, there are so many um, people involved, so do it uh, collaboratively. I mean, there are two dimensions to this. One is development, kind of getting approvals, and one is design. Let me take you to both both areas. So take take, uh, take the development process. So we, okay. we, we are not building any longer just on a greenfield site, so we're not flying to Mars. We're building in real context. Take Silicon Valley. You have to deal with... Um, The official the the regulatory agency with the city officials with city councils you you conducting community outreach Uh, You um, have attorneys which are uh, land use uh, Specialists Uh, you have to do sequel process you need somebody who looks at air quality Uh, You look somebody it looks at ecology at water uh, quality and 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 so there's a whole big range uh, of people, we we did at this project. For instance, I worked on here um, at the hills at Valco here uh, with one of the leading Silicon Valley developers, mm-hmm. Central Property Company, which is led by Peter and Susanna Pau. Uh, they were ultimately the leaders of this collaborative team because they were the the um, the owners, the people upholding the. The 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 vision and idea for the project and brought it all together. Yet we had so many different specialists just to take a look at the entitlements and development process. We had filmmakers uh, we engaged. We had um, we created virtual reality uh, setups. We built models. So uh, it's it it is it comes back. The leadership. This was your question. Is ultimately has to come from the client and the client team to be successful because they are investing in the project. They have the vision. They take the risk. They orchestrate the process. And to be able to work with them, this was one of my Moa West um, uh, partnerships here. I was um, fortunate uh, enough to work with them and uh, collaborate with them to take them through this process uh, to be successful.
0: Yeah. How do you – speaking of the, the leadership, how – do they come you and they work together on the design facet of it and the processes of that design?
2: Yeah, so the um, take take the, the hills at Valco as, as a very interesting project here in Silicon Valley. I just want to, I think Silicon Valley is going through a very, very interesting transformation right now. It's what we talked about before. Uh, the task at hand right now is how do we transform a suburb, Suburbs in general, but how we turn t- turn t- turn the suburb into twenty first century cities, and Silicon Valley is in North America, in my opinion, the most dynamic, most innovative, most exciting place, where where this is actually happening in the we, world. In the I would even say in the world. Okay. We're not just talking about it because of this great right and yeah. enlightened clients that that we have. <laughs> uh, uh, I think there's a lot happening. So take the hills at Valko, for instance. Um, there's an outdated, outdated shopping mall, the Valko mm-hmm. shopping mall. It's basically from built in the 70s, so the golden days of suburban sprawl. There was a certain way of how you go shopping. You basically get in the car, you drive to a place, and then you have a mall. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. an indoor mall with some the, the, the classical department stores. It's anchor tenants and then some smaller uh, tenants in between. Now, this way of retail experience has changed completely over the last 10, 15 years. One, how people shop is different. Uh, Secondly, how the the experience of people to come to a place to go shopping, they have other expectations going to the mall. They want to have a more, uh, let's say, urban, uh, lively, um, social experience so the question was you have this outdated mall what are you going to do with this and this this is where, where I came in and was fortunate to work with um, Peter and Susanna Pau and it really started with the beginning kind of strategizing about uh, w- what it is again the program what you need what is a spaceship you want to want to have yeah what would you, where do you want to fly you want to go go to Mars and the idea was born of this really vibrant uh, um, town center with with some open uh, space for the community and then the question is okay how do you find the right design team yeah and um, how do you find so it? we in this case we decided to, uh, conduct a selection process. So we um, uh, had a long list of potential candidates. We did take a look at them. We looked at the past projects. You travel. We went to, to the East Coast. We visited, for uh, instance, Virginia, to take a look at similar projects, what has been done before. Uh, and then we narrowed it down to a short list of five potential partners. And we set out uh, a selection process, uh, which was a combination of de- uh, de- uh, design ideas, but also meetings to to test, is the chemistry right? Okay. How well do you listen? So it was not taking a look at your work as a designer, but also uh, how do you, yeah, how do you listen? How do you collaborate? Is this a good, good partner? And uh, this took several months to go through this, and then in the end... Um, uh, Central uh, Property Company decided to um, go with Rafael Vignoli and uh, Laurie Olin. Right, uh, Rafael for the art- building architecture and the master plan, and Laurie Olin for the landscape architecture. Right. Yeah. You, you said
0: that steward of the project vision. I like that. What, 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 what does? Uh, how could you describe that to our audience? That being the steward of the project
2: vision. So here you have an idea what you would like to do. Uh, you set, you hire the right designers, the right architects, the right engineers, so you're putting the the, uh, design team in place. Uh, You start working with the local community, with the city, with uh, community outreach to get all the public uh, stakeholders um, uh, on board. Uh, And I think what is very important is that each project has a soul. Each project has a big idea has has the vision, the client vision, which is really driving the process. And you have to be, it's so easy to lose the idea of what this project is about because of all the different forces and the complexity of just getting uh, a project developed and designed. And I think, and, and the hills at Volker is one example where uh, it was really important to, um, uh, to keep this vision alive uh, and we had a fantastic design team as Rafa Vignoli and Laurie Olin which, which came up with this wonderful master plan and wonderful design uh, and throughout every single step through the development process and design process we made sure that's, that the intent, um, the let's say the value proposition uh, and um, let's say the, the business needs that, uh, in this case, um, commercial developer had, that they are uphold and um, not getting lost or watered down, yeah. or just fragmented and um, broken. So yeah. this was one example. Yeah. Do you have to
0: assume that it's it may get fragmented somewhere along the pro uh, along the process?
2: Yeah, it's so very easy to um, yeah, it's it's very easy to just um, uh, yeah, lose track, and I mean, they, they, I, mean I think they, they, that's where you can see the difference between great buildings and good buildings. Is I think the great buildings are the one where you we're able to uh, uphold this, this, this. Um, let's say the soul uh, and the heart and the spirit of what the client intent, vision, and the design vision uh, are about.
0: Yeah, how do you yep. capture that soul? How how early in the process, if you can, do you capture the soul? Of the project whether it's going to be a short one say one year two years or a longer one how do you capture the soul because it's so kind of ethereal to find it
2: well it has to start from the very beginning with the owner uh, with the investor with the client so that they're very clear uh, what they are looking for um, defining the um, the brief the program the value proposition What what they want to accomplish, and then you need a very good architect to take these ideas and put them into a physical form, and uh, that's a very collaborative process. And you go through many iterations, and then at some point it makes click, and you have it. And then you have to fight for this, yeah, because uh, otherwise, I mean, there can always people come and. take stuff apart and criticize and yeah. say whatever, traffic doesn't work or it's environmentally not sustainable enough or it's uh, the neighbors start to complain or whatever it might be. Uh, you just have to be really focused and um, listen very carefully and then re- respond to these concerns but respond in a way that, the, the, again, the soul of the project may, remains intact while you listen very carefully to um the context and ideas of other people.
0: We're talking today with Wolfgang Wagner, architect and principal of Wawa West.
1: The Loop is a radio show featuring electronic music ranging from house to techno to down tempo and everything that's good in the underground. Each week, the show features releases, exclusive mixes, top picks, interviews, and live guest DJs from around the world. That's the loop with Drew Deep from 11 a.m. all the way until 3 p.m. Stay tuned for that. And this is the Modern Architect.
0: We're talking today with Wolfgang Wagner, architect and principal of Wobo West. Are there any suggestions or recommendations you have for for an aspiring architect today, Wolfgang, considering how the um, how the profession is? changed and is changing?
2: Yeah, so in one word curiosity. I think you really need to have curiosity. I think uh, you have more choices than ever to apply the skills of an architect and architect to professional careers. There are so many paths you can take which is can be the traditional architectural path but also can be um, non-traditional architectural path. That uh, I think it's it's a wonderful time to, uh, to 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 be an architect and to pursue this um, uh, profession. So, if you think about what architect is doing, so we talked about the complexity and the intri- intricate nature of architecture and real estate today, and how that it needs uh, the, the, the bigger picture person, the, the person who connects the dot and holds holds the, the, the idea and the process and the project uh, together. So, obviously, there has been in our profession, let's say, a leadership vo- vacuum giving all these rapid changes w- which are happening. And mm-hmm. what you can see is that um, other professions stepping into the traditional architectural space. So I'll give you two examples. One is design thinking. You may have heard about this really. Uh, Palo Alto, Silicon Valley, here Stanford University with the D School is the epicenter of design thinking. And uh, it, it, design thinking as a concept really started at the time and also are, they more and more uh, demands on architecture were happening. Now, if you think about this, what design thinking is to me where I come from and where I'm grounded with my uh, education, that's really in the old days what we would have called architecture because it is the skills of being able to understand user requirements, turn them into physical forms of products or buildings, and then be able to um, um, yeah, kind of... Uh, be, be this, this steward of, of the vision and the ideas that we talked about. So, this is one example. We're getting at, 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 at an area which it has been opening up. Uh, I also believe that architecture should work more closely with, uh, for instance, the D school, the design thinking community, because it's really uh, uh, our world. Yeah. <laughs> our, um, uh, expertise. So it's dynamic. It's very, it's, it's, it's very dynamic. Another okay. example to give you is is design management. I mean, you, you're not just the, the pure designer who sits and, and creates. So this is obviously uh, the, the wonderful and exciting part uh, of architecture, yet architecture is way more than just pure design. And what you have been seeing is uh, through that um, buildings become more sophisticated. And I mean, buildings here, it's the systems, it's the materials that you use. You have more prefabrication. Uh, let's say concrete pieces for, ans- uh, for instance, glass, exciting. Uh, I mean, the performance of glass uh, you can get today is just uh, off the chart. Uh, you can have, I mean sustainability systems which you integrate into buildings. All of this is, let's say the more sophisticated the building systems and materials that you're using become uh, are becoming, the more, of the design work is actually done by the subcontractors and by the trade manufacturers which are creating this product. So you're seeing that, uh, to give you one example here, you probably have the, the most iconic and most important project in Silicon Valley is the Apple Campus yes. and I was uh, fortunate uh, and privileged to work um, um, as, as the uh, California uh, partner for this project with Foster and & Partners, and that was part of the development and design team, which is now um, Realizing uh, the vision of, of Steve Jobs Imagine you have a dream client okay. You have a dream architect. You have a wonderful combination and you have the attitude of Silicon Valley. You can engineer anything you want Combine this together. So you're getting a fantastic probably the most sophisticated building At the beginning of the 21st century, which is happening happening right now here uh, on our uh, front door. And if you look at the sophistication of the building systems themselves, a lot of this design, obviously the overall design comes from the architect, then you get the specialist design from the trade contractor, uh, which are then responsible for the design. Now, all of this has to be integrated because all of a sudden you have all these uh, plethora of subcontractors, which are specialists. You have a guy who's great with the facades. You have a great guy who's great with uh, concrete prefabricated systems. You have a guy who's great with radiant floors. You have—I mean, there's so many uh, innovations in the Apple Campus, for instance—that uh, to bring this together, to manage this, to coordinate this, uh, is another design management task. Uh, which which is happening more and more in, in particular in design-build projects.
0: Yeah, it sounds like each of the individuals may have a, a common thread that you had mentioned here that we said for any aspiring architects in relation to the history of architecture, yeah. to even the future, and that is curiosity. Would you kind of concur it's, with that? It's
2: curiosity combined with uh, being able to cross-pollinate across many different stakeholders and to communicate very well. I think that if there is yeah. one mentor, let's say the real estate industry is all about location, 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 architecture today, and in particular, the client advisor role that we have is all about communication, communication, communication. Yeah. And
0: how do you do that? So that's I'm asking for kind of a simple answer. I don't know if you can do that here. But how do you do that um, without ruffling feathers, so to speak?
2: Well, that that, that's that's one of the arts of uh, being able to be a good listener. Uh, Being able, I mean, it's almost like you need a Zen technique that any any criticism you you become, uh, you actually it's not a criticism you're taking it in and then you're playing it back again. Uh, So um, yeah, it is it is a skill. But I think the if you look at our profession if you look at our education if you look at what an architect does and what architecture has been doing historically i mean think about i mean i'm grounded in europe and we have always considered architect is architecture is the mother of all arts okay say that again i like that so architecture architecture is the mother of all arts okay now think about this concept this is 2000 years old this started in roman architecture it comes back to Vitruvius. So this idea of the, 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 the architect really being the overall leader and orchestrator of these various um, of this complex world that, that we're living in today, that's part of an architect's DNA. And, and I, I what I'm really um, looking for in our profession is that we're taking on a 21st century version of this architecture being the mother of all arts. Uh, and, um, yeah, that's uh, what we're working towards. Yeah, the mother of all arts. This this question i like
0: to pose, and I, I'd love to hear your take on it, is the importance or, or recognition of creativity versus discovery or creativity and discovery? Do you have a... Uh, if you, an, a response to that, you know, is it is it more important to be creative, or more important to discover, or kind of both? There's no right or wrong answers. I just like to know from well, you.
2: Well, obviously, you need both okay. uh, discovery and uh, 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 creativity. I mean, do, doing things. Uh, discovery is for me the the front end piece. What front we, end piece. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about now everything you do with a client to really define a uh, uh, client vision, uh, make the value proposition, uh, create um, a b- program for a building project, that's all discovery. So, and you have to do this. This is where architecture starts. Now, taking what you discover and then turning it into a physical form, that is design, and that is creativity, and certain people, um, are more talented in uh, the creative part. Other people are more talented in the uh, discovery part. But one doesn't work without the other. Uh, but um, I think I was fortunate uh, in my career to have worked with many of the great architects. We spoke, Ren Piano, Richard Rogers here, Norman Foster, Rafael Vignoli, Laurie Olin. Uh, um, most recently, they had all... One common theme, they were wonderful listeners, they were wonderful communicators, and most importantly, they were able to communicate not just verbally, what we're doing here today, but also visually. So if you are create, and I had one of my teachers at school even told me, uh, Wolfgang, don't talk so much. The language of the architect is the drawing. So if you are creative, Uh, You need to be able to uh, uh, communicate visually. You have to promote visual literacy. And that's a wonderful talent. Not many, um, I mean, all the great architects have it. A wonderful talent in this large group of people that, forces that shape your design to be able to cut through the chase come back to the essence and the soul of the project, you can do this very easily with some sketches, with some drawings. It's probably the most powerful tool an architect has to help orchestrating these uh, the complex um, product and process that architecture is today. Wolfgang, it's been an honor and a privilege having you here today. Thank you
0: so much for being on our show. I'm sure our audience will be very glad that uh, they tuned in
2: today. Thank you very much, uh, Tom. Uh, it was an honor to be here today. You've been listening to The Modern Architect. I'm Tom
0: Dioro. Our guest today has been Wolfgang Wagner, architect and principal of Woa West. WoW West's unique approach helps transform real estate investments into valuable long-term performance assets, serving the client side of the architectural design and real estate management process. Advisors create a proprietary strategy to help clients define, design, develop, and deliver the highest real estate value possible. Find them on the web at woawest.com that's W-O-W-A west.com Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, influencer, and civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives.
1: The Modern Architect is recorded at Stanford University Studios' in Palo Alto, California. It is a production of KZSU Stanford, and the recording engineer and production manager is Akshay Jaggi, assistant engineer is McGregor-Joyner, and we're all assisted by Bryce Carter. The executive producer and host of The Modern Architect is Tom DiOro. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is The Modern Architect.